Welcome back to another episode of First Generation Bowhunter. If you're just starting out and bow hunting is new to you, but it's something you want to do, this is the right place to be. This is the podcast for you. I myself am a first generation bow hunter and have spent many years, not seasons, but years and years, well, I guess many seasons, trying to learn how to bow hunt. And I've uh, had a lot of mistakes, had a lot of learnings. So that's what this show is all about. Look through the episodes if you're new. It might be a topic that sticks out to you. Go back and find something that, that can help. Today in this episode, I wanted to share three very, very good tips on being successful, having more success this season. So we're going to jump into that. Before we jump into those successful tips, I want to share a few little updates Last few episodes, I've been talking about the e-bike that I've been fixing. I did a little video on my quiet cat, kind of walking through what went wrong, what happened there. Main message I just want to share is make sure to check your equipment. My rear cassette was completely bent and my derailleur was totally bent as well. And so when I put a new chain on, I made a mistake and I snapped the derailleur hanger. Anyway, uh, it wasn't necessarily costly. Uh, these parts weren't terrible, but the derailleur hanger was, it was like a week out to get, which I'm in the season. I could have taken it out on a hunt. I, I couldn't get the part in time. Bit of a bummer. So it wasn't so much a cost. It was more of an availability. Main thing I just share is that if I would have been out in the field, you know, snapping a chain, I, I think I could have gotten back, but it, it would have been a bummer. Absolute bummer. So uh, just friendly reminder, check your gear. And that it goes for your rangefinder as well. Check your battery, your arrows, your fletchings. I was looking at some fletchings the other day and noticed that I just had the slightest, you know, the fletching was kind of coming off. Just take a minute, re-glue it, all of that. And also, you know, make sure you're shooting every day, uh, you know, in between hunts, you, uh, yeah, just get that range time. Even if it's short uh, distance, uh, I've seen p- people shooting in their basements, their garage, even if it's 10 yards, don't focus so much on distance. You know, focus more on what are those skills to, to you know, get that shot dialed in, making sure you're going through your steps, your routine. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in the success tips. Uh, just, just today I shot and I was noticing that, yeah, I was a little bothered by my form. I really wanted to slow down, make sure I was going through all the things there. All right. So this is episode 33 of first generation bow hunter. Thanks for joining. Let's, uh, let's dive in, get you more success this season. Let's, let's dive in. First tip is don't get excited. When you're in that shot, you're in that shot opportunity, you cannot get excited. And I've blown probably three or four shots because uh, I was shaking. I was so excited thinking, oh, it's in the bag. And I hadn't even released an arrow yet. I hadn't even pulled my arrow back. And I've picked up this advice over the years and uh, I actually wrote it on my fletching. So I wrote one word on each fletching. So when I looked at my 
arrows on my quiver, I could read the phrase, don't get excited. And it's, it has been life-changing advice, honestly, and when it comes to harvesting and getting that arrow where it needs to be. Because uh, I've had a lot of misses because I just get so, so excited. Make sure as you're practicing, try to visualize an animal there. Try to visualize what that is. If, if that's never happened for you, try to, you know, listen to sounds, uh, watch a video. Try to visualize what it would be like to be 40 yards from a deer or an elk. And that's going to help kind of raise your blood pressure a little bit, get you excited. But you don't want to get excited. You got to breathe. You got to calm down and just think, I can get excited after. After the shot, get excited. But not before. It will mess up everything. So that's been a, uh, a big thing for me. And I think really makes or breaks a hunt. You know, you get down to those 30 seconds, right? of shot opportunity you spent think of all the time you spent to get to that little 30 second 60 second window of releasing an arrow and as you know with bow hunting these opportunities are very sparse to get into range another thing i've done too that really helps is this last weekend i went up to wyoming with some friends and i was not hunting but i brought all like all my optics because i was like oh i haven't been to wyoming in a while I'm going to take this certain route up to the area and got to see a lot of game. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I caught this one buck that just had this wild-looking rack. It almost looks like a bad hair day, but it's his antlers. It is, it is something. And what I was doing, and I think this is good you know, advice. Let's say you go on a hike and you don't have your bow and you're out with your kids, and you know there's going to be some game there. That's what I did. You know, I was at this cabin. We're up in the woods, and I just left from the cabin, took my binoculars, and was able to kind of walk in some areas, and there was a lot of deer in the area. And that was kind of good practice for me to get within 40, 50 yards and just kind of go through the steps of, if I had my bow right now, how would I be feeling? What would I be doing? You know, how would I be breathing? How would I be walking in? And it is incredible practice, even if you don't have your bow, going through those steps. Early on, when I did get those shot opportunities, I had never been that close to an animal before. And it was so easy to get excited. Now, when I get into range like that, I'm not thinking I'm excited. I'm just kind of, okay, I'm breathing. You know, and even I pull up my bow as if I have my bow in my hands and I pull back and I rest and I think, okay, where would I put the pin? The other thing that was really interesting was I was getting into some does and this one doe was bobbing her head really drastically, like up and down. And I was about 40 yards away and she kept dropping her head and I was like, what is going on? Why is she doing that? I researched it a little bit, and deer don't have great depth perception. And so I could actually walk forward towards her, and we're in this kind of field. I was going to say cornfield, but it wasn't corn. It was a clover field. So, I mean, I'm totally exposed. Yeah, right. There's no hiding for me. And I was just like, you know, I'm just walking and running into these animals. 
but I could walk like three to five yards at a time and just kind of walk in closer to her. And she kept bobbing her head, like trying to understand how far away I was, what I was. It was interesting. And I wasn't wearing camo. I mean, I'm like wearing jogging shorts and t-shirt. I mean, you know, the moment that I stepped to the side, this is really interesting. I stepped to the side and she just lost it. She was like, nope. And that's what kind of exposed myself in a way or my distance um, of, of being a threat. And she was like, peace out, I'm gone. <laughs> and she was gone. And it was cool practice for me because I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then like a few minutes later, it happened again. I got into this really thick wooded area and I was just walking along this little trail and didn't notice that there was another deer up ahead, a doe. And does are pretty curious too. You know, if you have a doe tag, and and that, that's kind of a nice way to get started in bow hunting because, you know, bucks can be a lot harder. But I was walking in this really wooded trail, and there about 80 yards away, there's this, there's this doe. And I think also, too, when you're in these experiences where you're like, okay, I'm not hunting, I don't have my weapon, you're just kind of going through the motions of like, how would I spot an animal? What am I listening for? All of those things kind of come together and give you success. And I was walking in and same thing happened. I could, I think I walked 40 yards. I closed the distance by 50% until she was like, no, I don't like you. And she bounced. So think about that. If I'm at 80 yards and I close that down to like 50 or 40, that that's a game changer, right? You can feel a lot more comfortable taking that shot than so far away. So is that going to happen in your area? I don't know, but try to get through those kind of excitement feelings without your weapon and when stakes are high. And that is just really, really good practice. Um, and then a little, a few minutes later after that, uh, I was walking around. That's when I ran into the, the big buck that had this wild call. I should call him like bad hair day. Honestly, it should be his name. Same thing, you know, I got it in about 60, 70 yards. He's a lot more skeptical. That's generally common for bucks. And tried to kind of, you know, sneak in and be sneaky or whatever. He's, yeah, they're a lot more perceptive and risk adverse. But still, like, I probably could have had a shot, right? And I kind of went through that in my mind, like, oh, my gosh, if this was my dream buck and, you know, what are my emotions doing? Try to simulate that. Do not get excited before the shot. Just save it for later. Save it for the photos and save it for the harvest. And um, I also have a hard time when you release an arrow and make a good hit. And I'm like waiting for, you know, to track the blood. I get so, actually blood tracking is like my favorite thing. I think it is so fascinating to, you know, watch how, you know, where the animal goes, how it expires, not out of disrespect. I think it's a very respectful thing, but I'm just like, what is happening and what can I learn from this? Um, and, and making sure you make those really good shots. So when I say I'm fascinated by it, it's not like, oh, I'm so happy for death. It's more of, I really want to understand what the animal's going to do and where it's going to go and making sure you have those really good shots. So practice is super key. 
but yeah, you have to be careful getting excited about the blood trail too. Uh, cause you can, you can bump deer it. I've done that before. I bumped a deer and made it a long night after doing that. So don't get excited. Second tip is stay in the same area often. And I think there's a huge temptation when you're bow hunting, you go out to an area you're like, cool, you know, I've heard about this area or something new to you. And you're just, you're trying to get, you know, some experience and you go out and you don't see anything and you might see some sign, but you don't see any animals. And maybe you spend, you know, a couple of days there or whatever it might be. And you're glassing and you're looking and you're just like, dang, like I've heard there's animals here. I'm not seeing them or I'm seeing sign, but I'm not seeing the actual animals. Try not to get discouraged, especially if you know the animals do pass through there. And what I struggled with early on was I'd go to an area and I was like, oh, there's nothing here. I'm not coming back here. I'm going to go to a new area. And I just didn't give it enough time. And then I'd go to that second area and I'm like, hmm, I'm not seeing anything. Well, I'm going to peace out and I'm going to go to the third area. And I just kept like not giving these areas a chance. And what I found is if you just keep learning those areas, like by the back of your hand and go to that same area, it might not be the total trophy place, or it might not be mass amounts of animals, or it might be overrun with other hunters. One of my favorite areas to hunt actually has a lot of hunters that go in there. Like when it's in the season, I see three to four other hunters in this, in this area and it's not a massive, massive area, but why do I keep going back? I know what those animals do. I've spent so many hours and days and weeks cumulatively in those areas, in that area that, you know, I can sit in glass. I know what time of day of where they're going to be. I know the, you know, temperatures, how that affects them, moon phase, and what trails they like, what areas they avoid. I know how far back in there I have to get to, you know, actually like make moves and, and start seeing them. I'm like all in on this area. And it's not some magical area. It's not like, oh yeah, this is the honey hole of everything. It's just, there's animals there. And I know what they're going to do. And where it really clicked for me, I took my son mountain biking there and we were kind of, I had the binoculars out and I was, you know, and we came upon like three deer from about 500 yards away. I was like, oh, cool. You know, look at these animals. And he was getting excited. And I said, hey, uh, watch what they're going to do. They're actually going to go up that little area. They're going to cut through here. They're going to stop. They're going to look for food. And then they're going to bust up up in here and kind of go. And we watched them for like five or 10 minutes. And that's exactly what they did. And it just clicked with me. I was kind of like, why do I know that? And it's because I have invested so much time in that area. And it was just like, cool, right? And that is just what I would say is try to stick with it in an area, especially if you know there's animals there, you're seeing sign. Just because they're not there that day, try to pay attention to what time of day you're hunting, temperature, and, and the moon phase. When, when people taught me moon phase, I just, that changed a lot for me. Um, and real quick on moon phase, basically if it's like a full moon, 
and uh, the animals are going to be out at night. They're going to be a little less active in the day. Not that they aren't. You can still hunt during a full moon. But I have noticed a considerable shift. And the reason why I know that considerable shift is because I've spent so much time in one of the areas I've been at. Can you kill a buck during full moon or a, a deer? Yeah, you can. But I, as I've spent so much time in a certain area, I've noticed like drastic. So that's why I geek out on my Apple Watch. And I got my moon phase there at the handy. And as I look at it right now, there is no moon. It's completely um, zero light. So at night, they can't see as well. And they have to be more active during the day, which exposes them to risk. And so that's just, that's years of my experience of what I've, uh, what I've learned. The other thing about staying in the same area often, let's say you are seeing other hunters in, in that area. That's kind of a cool way to connect with people. I think sometimes we look at like, oh, there's other hunters in the area. That's a bad thing. I have to get away from people. Sure. Like there is that principle, you know, you don't want to be shoulder to shoulder, uh, up a trail totally get that. In some ways though, if you kind of see, and this is something funny too, I've spent so much time in this one area, I see where the hunters like to go. And when they zig, I zag. And I know, and I can expect like, oh, they're going to go up this one area. That's kind of where everyone goes. And it's, I can kind of predict a lot more. And it's cool because that was one thing I, I learned early on, but I didn't know uh, understand how to do it was as hunters are moving through an area, they'll move the animals and, and you can play off that a little bit. It takes patience. Um, but I think sometimes at face value, people think like, oh, other hunters in my area, that's a really bad thing. On the socialization side of it too, I mean, I've gotten to like midday where there's not much happening and I'm walking along and I'll run into another hunter or two. I'm like, hey, how was it for you today? You know, just be cool and ask them how their day's going. And it's not like, oh, I'm trying to steal your shot or whatever. Just, hey, how was it for you? You know, how was it this morning? And share what you know or like, oh, yeah, I saw they were kind of moving up this way. Um, And just share information. I don't think I've ever really spoken to a hunter out there that has like snubbed me. I, I think for the most part, people actually have been really, really nice. And what's interesting too, and this was kind of a fear I had going to a similar area over and over, is you start seeing a lot of runners or mountain bikers or, you know, the outdoors have gotten so big in the last few years. People are using these public trails. And I always was kind of nervous of that where I'm like, shoot, I got to get there really early so I don't run into people. And, you know, people might have mixed feelings on hunters. It is crazy. This one area I've been, I'll run into just trail runners, walkers, hikers, bikers. People are so kind in this area. And I know that's kind of rare. I know that may not be uh, the majority. But for some reason, they're just like, oh, do you see anything today? You know? Um, and, and I was like, no, you know, or yeah, you know, there's a couple up there. It's fun to see and just try to make it positive, um, especially when they have kids. You know, you want to be overly sense, uh, overly uh, kind and just try to make it positive. Um, I've even had kids like I'll be walking and I'll kind of walk away. And the kid says, you know, mom, he had a bow like from, you know, just like that Disney movie or like he's a hunter. And you just... 
smile, be kind. I know it sounds obvious, but try to try to make it um, a positive experience for everybody. And it's okay to hunt the same area. Um, there is some strategy though. Like again, I've said before, I like hunting in the evenings a little bit. Um, for me in this one area, I do like coming out a little bit more in the evening because I, I don't know, I, I don't love a ton of eyeballs, especially if I harvest something. I do try to be sensitive to that where I'm not dragging the animal out of the woods and I'm like, whatever, this is hunting. I don't want to send that message. Right. Um, so try to be sensitive to that. And there was one time I actually had an animal on my back. I was packing out meat and you could kind of tell if you looked twice, you could tell what was on my back and this dog would not leave me alone. And I was just trying to smile and be kind to the woman, you know, of the dog who's kind of sniffing me. Um, and that, it was anticlimactic, like nothing really happened nothing was said, but again, I just want to keep my distance, um, not be in people's faces and be like, Hey, this is my public land too. You know, I never want to send that message. All right. So that is the second tip. Stay in the same area often and, and maybe go for less time in that area and go multiple times a season rather than like a big chunk of time and go all in on like, okay, I only have these five days. Maybe you go three different times for two to three days at a time. And I know that's hard with work. I know that's hard with family. It's a big balance. It's a sacrifice. But when you kind of go at different times, think about the moon and, and how that changes. That can really, really up your success. And, and it's funny too, because I've always got to the point where I'm watching the temperature time of day what the moon's doing and I'm like you know it's probably not worth going up and that sounds like super pessimistic but I just you get to that point where you just know like you know I I'm gonna pass on this one I'm I'm not gonna use my points of getting out and going hunting on a day that I probably have a good sense that they're not gonna be super active all right let's move to the third tip of how to be more successful this season You've got to disconnect from work and life. And that sounds really insensitive. But I found that when I shift into full hunt mode and I'm using my phone just as a device for Onyx and I'm just really like shut down, it is so much better. There were times early in, in my bow hunting experience where I'd go out there and you know, I'm not seeing anything and I'd sit and I'd play on my phone. I'd look up Instagram and, and I'm just like super distracted and I was not hunting. I was sitting in the woods on my phone and there's a very big difference. Got to disconnect even like, like I'm very fortunate that my work is pretty mobile. Like I can work from my phone for quite a few things. You know, I can answer a text, I can answer an email. Um, I, I don't necessarily have to be sitting at a desk for the most part. But that's also risky because if I have self-service, I'm very tempted to jump into work mode. And so I've had to like shut that down. That has been such a benefit for me as I've turned on the do not disturb. Um, the other thing too, I got to figure out my Apple Watch. And I've noticed this with my wrist release it will tap the little button on my Apple watch and like Suri just starts talking and she's like, I don't understand that. And I'm like, Oh dude, if that happened right when I'm about to take a shot, I'm, 
I'm going to send a complaint to Apple. No. Um, but like it's stuff like that where I've noticed that as I've been practicing lately. Um, I'm a little late to the Apple Watch game, by the way. And so as I've had my wrist released, bump it. It's like, okay, I've got to turn that thing off. So disconnecting, super, super important. The other thing I've struggled with was like setting expectations with my wife and being like, listen, I'm going to be gone for this amount of time. Um, if I get something, I might be gone even longer because I have to pack it out. I'll do my best to text you. But, you know, I tried my best to really just be uh, transparent and and sensitive too. Um, I mean, if the kids have a lot of things going on with sports or other stuff, I try to be sensitive around that. But I also try to say, hey, you know, honey, I've got a four-week window. I want to go this day, this day, and this day. These are the sections I'm going to go in the next four weeks. Um, but I want to make sure like you can go out and do what you want to do. And if you need to go take, you know, some time away or go to spend time with your, your family or whatever, try to balance that. Um, so it's funny that I'm like sharing that advice on a hunting podcast, but it's real like that, that is real balancing with a spouse, um, managing kids, managing business. And again, it's funny as we've shifted to like work from home life. Um, I've worked from home about three, four years before even COVID hit. Um, but I've seen this massive shift of I'm accessible all the time. And that's a big struggle, right? You know, past five o'clock, it's like, oh no, I'm, you know, I'm just home. It doesn't matter. You can contact me. Well, that boundary gets exploded pretty quick. And so that's something I've shared with people just in general, like, try to set up those boundaries of when you work, when you shut down. And the same with hunting. Again, you just got to like put up a boundary of like, Hey, you know what? I'm taking the day off. I'm taking the day off. And I know I have cell phone service, but like nobody's on the operating table. Um, I, 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 you know, can't address what you need. Now, if you're a doctor and somebody is dying on the operating table, that's probably not the best example, but I do digital marketing. And so I, I am not a doctor, so that analogy works for me. But yeah, as I started disconnecting and really like almost kind of putting on the war paint a little bit, uh, uh, theoretically, and when I go in there, I just like go into hunt mode, and man, I started seeing so much more success um, because I didn't care what was on Instagram. And I'm not saying like I saw more animals per se. I just was way more in tune. And so when those opportunities came, I was just fully, fully disconnected. A book I've been reading too is called The Power of Now. And that has been such a great tool for me to kind of go through some of those meditative processes of being 100% present in the moment. I'm sure you're listening to this podcast right now. You might be doing something else. You might be doing yard work. You might be working out at the gym, you might be commuting. We love to multitask. We love to pile on stuff and be like, look at me, look at all these things that I can do at the same time. I don't love to do that. I love doing one thing at a time. And my wife is really good at multitasking. I'm not, uh, but I try to just own that. But there's benefits in just doing one thing at a time and doing it very, very well. There was a time when I'd go practice my bow um, and I'd be, you know, shooting the foam target out in the backyard or something. And I'd put my AirPods in my ears. And I would be like, listening to a podcast. And 
you know, and I'd only do it in my right, in my left ear. So it didn't mess with the string. And I'm like trying to do all these things. I'm trying to, and then my friend would call or my brother-in-law would call. And I'm like trying to take a phone call while I'm pulling back. It's so stupid. Like that's the dumbest thing you could do is try to take phone calls while you're pulling back your bow. And again, you might be looking at me like, dude, Adam, that is a total rookie move. Well, guess what? <laughs> no one taught me. And I was trying to be cool and I was trying to do all these things at the same time. If you've experienced that yourself, uh, drop me a line on Instagram. Like, yeah, I've done that before. Uh, let's be open. Let's be open about our uh, our mistakes and follies. But don't, don't do that. Don't put headphones in when you're trying to shoot a bow. Um, it's just, I don't know. You got to disconnect. Just shut it all down. Yeah, I, I love the uh, do not disturb uh, setting on my phone. I didn't know you can schedule the do not disturb. That is such a cool uh, tool that I found. So if you're an iPhone user and you want to use the do not disturb, I actually have it where all day Sunday I have do not disturb just automatically go on. So I don't get dinged you know i will check my phone but i'm not getting dinged if something happens um and then 5 to 9 p.m every day i have my do not disturb automatically go on and that is sacred time with the family and i really kind of that's a non-negotiable and i struggled with that for many years i struggled you know defining my time and taking phone calls and just being scatterbrained and it's just, I don't know. I think if you invest in those times um, in the moment and when it matters, then when you say, hey, I'm going to leave for three days and go hunting or I'm going to be gone for five days, you know, the spouse is a lot more understanding like, oh, yeah, you filled, you've made deposits and now you can make withdrawals. Um, so that, you know, being present, being in the now, the power of now, fantastic book. Uh, get, give it a, give it a listen. I listen to it on audible. It's a little funny. You kind of have to get used to the voice. Um, but really beneficial. The other thing that I'm trying and I'm going to report back on this week, I'm going to be doing some microcurrent. So this is a neurofeedback where basically you put electrodes on certain parts of your brain. I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> My wife is trained in this and she's going to start doing it. Uh, but it really helps with focus really helps with, you know, staying in those moments. And it's, it's pretty big in athletes, really helps with uh, PTSD, addiction, uh, anxiety, things like that. Um, so pretty excited about that. I, I would like to try it as I'm really in the heat of hunting season right now, just making sure my brain is as sharp as possible. So I will report back on that and let you know, because uh, sometimes even I can get a little uh, distracted when I'm pulling back and trying to make really good steady shots and consistent shots. So yeah, hopefully that will help me as I try to disconnect um, when I'm out there. All right, so to recap, in summary, the three successful tips I had for you this episode is don't get excited. Save that for when you're holding that animal and it is expired. That is when you can get excited and freak out, scream, yell, <laughs> whatever. You can shake all you want, um, but before the shot, you just got to be like in the zone. Do not get excited. Second is stay in the same area as often as possible. Uh, don't bounce around. If someone's like, oh, man, you got to check out this area. I just saw this big trophy, whatever. Try to, try to avoid that. Try to focus on 
where the bedding areas are, where the feeding ground is, where the water is. What is the behavior of these animals? That's what you got to focus on. And then got to disconnect. That is super, super important. All right. Well, that wraps it up for episode 33. Thanks for tuning in. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Uh, use the hashtag first generation bow hunter and tag me Adam underscore Buchanan. And I'd uh, love to see some of that out there. Also kind of a funny little update. I don't know if you've noticed on my Instagram stories, but I have a sticker vinyl cutter that I'm learning how to use. And it is difficult. I didn't realize the learning curve was so bad or maybe I'm just terrible at it. But I'm starting to make some uh, first-generation bowhunter stickers. So maybe that's in the future if I can figure out this freaking machine and make it efficient as possible. Um, But yeah, if that's of interest, if you're like dying for a first-generation bowhunter sticker, just let me know. Let's uh, let's get one out to you. And yeah, that'll that'll be a lot of fun. So also have t-shirts still left i've got a few uh, venison smoke daily tees and getting low on sizes for the first gen bow hunter tees but yeah give me a shout um uh, ask what ask me what size you're after and we'll figure it out on venmo and get a tee out to you all right thanks again for listening see you on the next episode